Um, last night, I watched uh, the movie Chasing Mavericks. Have y'all seen that, this movie? Oh, wow. Y'all are deprived. Y'all have no idea what you're missing. Greatest movie of all times. I'm just, just saying, basically. No, it's a, it's a really good movie. You could get it at the red box. Um, but it's, it's a really awesome story. And it's, it's uh, based on a true story by this, this guy named Jay uh, Moriarty. Probably pronouncing his last name wrong. But Jay, his, his story goes, he's, he's wanting to surf this huge wave, this wave called Mavericks out in California. And the whole, the whole movie, you know, he's training to surf this wave. And it comes to the very end, and, you know, it's the highlight of the movie, and he's going to surf this wave, and he's getting ready to drop in. Well, in the movie, it actually shows some clippings of the pictures of when he actually dropped in, the actual Jay dropping in on this wave. And, and you look, and, of course, you're thinking, oh, it's a movie. And so he's going to drop in, he's going to catch this wave, and there's going to be a big barrel, and everyone's going to cheer. Well, that's not what happened. Well, what happened is he goes in, he starts to paddle, and he, he kind of gets just a little bit, his board too much above the wave, and the air comes underneath it, and so the wind kind of catches his board, and he free falls like 40 or 50 feet and just gets hammered. I mean, he gets drilled, and he gets held underneath the water for, I think it's like three minutes. I mean, it just should have killed him type thing. And, uh, and so you're watching this, you know, then the credits roll. Hey, Evan. No, I'm just playing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good movie. Anyway, so he, he, he comes up, you know, after, you know, he gets some air and he paddles over to this boat. And I know I'm ruining the movie for you, but it's too bad. You should have watched it. I'm just saying, you should have seen the movie. And uh, so he paddles over to the boat and the guy's trying to help him back into the boat. And he says, no, 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 give me my board back. Give me my board back. And he goes and he paddles and he catches this amazing wave. And um, I bring that up to say this. I kind of feel like when it comes to faith, some of you guys have been through times in your life where you've been really excited and, and you took that step of faith and you, you paddled out into the big surf and, and, and you got drilled. You got hammered. Life beat you up. And you got held under and you thought you were going to die. And I just kind of feel like God's saying, don't be afraid to paddle back out. You could get back into the boat and you could live scared. And and never let your faith, just like how Kyle said, never let your faith go out on those waters again. Or you could give it another shot. But here's the thing. There's no promises. You might eat it again. But that's part of this beautiful life. And so just before we get going here, I hope that encourages someone in here to, to let hope arise, to let hope fill your heart again, that though the storms in life have come, though you've been maybe beat down a few times and you just think, man, it was going to kill me. It didn't kill you. You're still here and God's not done with you yet. Amen. Amen. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> I do this. I get all like choked up at the beginning of the sermons. And that's, you don't do that. You do that at the end. And then anyway, uh, if you just join us, we're going in a, in a series through the Bible. This morning, we are going to look at the book of Ephesians. So if you will, please turn with me to the book of Ephesians. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, Ephesians, somewhere around there. Just keep going east and you will find it. Ephesians. We're going to get there this morning. Uh, now, it's usually kind of my pattern or whatever. I, I like to give you a little bit of background of the book before we get into it, just so you can kind of set the context of what we're getting ready to read. This morning, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to read some stuff. We're going to talk about a few things, and then we're going to go back and set the context. And so for the first few minutes, you're going to kind of be, hey, what? he talking about this for how is this important and you're just there's there's going to be the temptation to just kind of zone out and be thinking about something else let me encourage you stay with me because i promise you i will bring it back around it's like a big boomerang we're going to throw it out and at some point in the sermon it's going to come around and hit you in the head and possibly knock you out but hopefully not so ephesians chapter one Verse 1, Paul is writing this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasures of his will. We'll read that one more time, verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasures of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us according in, accepted in his beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Amen. A very, very scary portion of scripture we just read this morning. You know why? Because it has that word in there, predestination. Oh, and all of a sudden the church divides and there's the predestination group and there's the free will group. And there's those that all of these emotions start to dwell in your heart. And even right now you're thinking, well, where is he going to go with this thing? Oh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it for a minute. Uh, but I want to talk about it maybe from a different kind of point of view uh, when it comes to the idea of predestination. So often the idea, uh, as it's betrayed, comes to you as a choice. Well, what are you? Are you predestination that God has? And, and what this means is this, that God has set out this plan, A, B, C, and D, and you're going to follow it. And this is at least what comes into a lot of people's minds, that it is what it is. There's no changing things. Or there's the free will that, hey, we all have a choice and we can choose this path or this path or this path. Um, I like to describe it by using two things, a T-shirt and a crib. First thing is this T-shirt. Coolest t-shirt ever. Cookie Monster t-shirt. Um, I thought about wearing it this morning and didn't fit. But then it came up with a cool idea. What if you sewed a t-shirt onto a t-shirt? And so like this was my shirt. Uh, anyway, I think it's going to take off. It's like going to be the new style. Anyway, this t-shirt is, is really special to me for a few things. One, because um, back when I was in college, uh, I came across this T-shirt at the Goodwill, I believe it was, and I saw it, and I just thought, man, this thing is so cool. Um, I want to get it one day for my future son or daughter. 
And it was just kind of a t-shirt, kind of a step in f- of faith that, you know, one day, God, I'm going to, I'm going to have a family and uh boy or girl, either way. I think there was a part of me, honestly, I was kind of leaning towards the boy. I was thinking, you know, cookie monster boy, but either way, you know, girl. And um, so I bought this t-shirt and I've had it for, for a number of years before I got married. I got married when I was 26 years old. I probably bought this when I was 19 years old. So I had it for seven, eight years or something like that and, and held on to this T-shirt with the anticipation of giving it to my daughter. And so when she, she wears it to sleep at night and, and every time I see it, I just love watching her, you know, and, and her wearing the shirt. Uh, there's also another, and, and we'll get back to that. Hold on to that for a second. There's another couple, Brandon and Mary. If you guys could stand up for a second. And their little man right here. Could you introduce little man to everybody? Everest Henry Stevens. How old is he? 12 weeks. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And welcome, Everest. Um, little, little thing, if y'all, if y'all were here maybe a few months ago or something, they told the testimony of how for a long time they were praying for a child but just couldn't get pregnant. You know, uh, different circumstances, things after things just kept happening. And, and well, they, they weren't getting pregnant, you know, trying to do all the, the testing, going to all the doctors, all the stuff just wasn't happening, wasn't. And, and one day Mary's at the house and, and, and she just kind of feels like God tells her, you need to go and buy a crib. What? You know, so she goes out and she buys this crib and it just, they put it together and they have the room, but the room is, well, there's still, she's not pregnant. Nothing's happening. There's just this crib in this room and, and there's just hope and there's anticipation that, that God, one day you are going to put a baby in this crib that one day. And now here he is. But they, but the thing is, I, I say that really quickly, but the fact is they went through years they went through years of praying and waiting and asking God for this baby. And this verse, God says that before the foundation of the world, before God made anything, before Mary was pregnant, see, before the foundation of the earth, before Genesis 1, when God said, light, let there be, God had a plan and God had a purpose. Before you were in your mother's womb, Jeremiah says, there's a plan and a purpose that God has for you. Before that baby was born, she bought a crib. Before God made you, well, he made this planet. And there's, there's beauty and there's life and there's trees. And, and if you read the Genesis story, well, it, it takes on this progression of God making things and then God filling it. Well, he fills the earth with with trees and he fills the sea with sea life and he fills it and then he looks at man he says well be fruitful and multiply and then again there's, there's this filling that takes place and and all of this according to him who who willed it before the very foundation of the earth before he said that first word light let there be earth and stars and skies there was a plan and a purpose inside the heart of god before Everest was born, there was a crib. Before Kobe was even, before I was even married, there was the idea and there was the hope that one day she would wear this shirt. She was predestined to wear this shirt. Everest is predestined to lay and sleep in that crib according to the purposes of 
their mother and father who thought. And there's all these dreams and all of these visions and all of these hopes that will happen. God prepared this world for us. And he's saying, you know what? It's okay. I've got you. Just as before the foundation of the world, God has a plan. But here's the thing. We look at the world the way it is now and we see all of the mess ups and we see all of this and we think, well, how could this be going according to the plan of God? Well, there's a word in here that we kind of forget about after this word predestination. And that's this is having predestined us to adoption by sons in Jesus Christ. This word adoptions. This means anytime this word is used, it means this something went wrong. Adoptions. For any type of adoption to happen, that means, well, uh, kind of get out of Bible mode for a second and just think in terms of adoption today. For adoption to happen, something went wrong. Either maybe, maybe one of the child's parents died during labor. Maybe there's, there's drugs involved. Maybe there's abuse involved. Maybe there's neglect. Maybe there's all of these things. But for one reason or another, there's adoption. There's the, the, the separating and then the bringing in. And the same thing happened with us with God. There was something that went wrong. And that thing that went wrong is sin. Adam bit that apple. And all of a sudden, wow, all of this unraveling that was never meant to take place began to take place. Why? Because God gave Adam free will. Because he gave him the the concept, the idea that he could choose. He could choose to listen to God and be obedient, or he could eat the fruit of the tree. But even knowing all that, God, from the very beginning, purposed in his heart to make you and me. Although knowing everything would, well, go wrong, that, that this would happen, that he purposed that there would already be one that would take away the sins. The lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Now, do you see that? That's a huge thing because so oftentimes we try to look at it as, well, is it predestination or is it free will? That's the wrong question. The answer is yes. You are predestined. You have free will. You are predestined. God has laid out a plan for you and your life. He knows exactly what he wants to do with you. It's your choice to do it. Jesus is praying in the garden. Jesus, son of God now, he's praying in the garden. Lord, if there's any way that this cross, any way that this can pass from me, please, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Do you see that? Predestination and free will. Same time, it's not an either or. God has the blueprint in his heart and his plan. Jesus says, listen, there's death and there's life. Choose life. He's done everything, every possible measure to possibly put us on the path that he has already chosen for us. Hence, sending his son to die for you. Hence, even before all of this took place, the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Hence, adoption preordained to put back inside the family of God. Are y'all following me? Are you tracking me? I know, I know this is a little different from maybe something that you've heard before. But this is what I believe that the, the scripture is saying to us. Now listen, it's, it's not this kind of 
there's only one route and you are predestined for heaven or you're predestined for hell. No, there's free will. But when you choose God, you are set on his track and his track will lead you to life and life more abundantly. Now, this is the part where, you know, for the most part, the church starts to argue and says, hey, you know, well, I don't believe that, Lucas. I, I, I believe this. This is what I think the scriptures are saying. Or then there's this proof that, well, I don't believe that. And I think this. And this is where we kind of stop. And this is where we begin to part waves and form our denominations and all of these different things. But before you've kind of driven that line in the sand because you don't quite agree with what I just said, let's look at the second part of the scripture. And hopefully this will come into even clearer context. The second part, starting uh, in one, starting with verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention to you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the that are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the workings of his mighty power? This is interesting because what Paul does here is he opens this book, this letter to this church in Ephesus, to these Ephesian people, and he starts up with something that's, well, let's face it, in some ways, very, very difficult to understand. He's using these things like predestination and, and, and this terminology. And, and even back then, it would raise a lot of questions. But what is amazing is what he follows it up with. He follows it up with not just this is the truth in which God has given us, but he follows it up with a prayer. And the prayer is that prayer for understanding. So even in this, even, even in what I've just said to you, Paul's saying, even if, even if you have questions, even if it's not quite clear, this idea and this whole concept that God has laid out a plan and a path for you, my prayer is that God would open the eyes of our understanding, that he would give us wisdom. See, we think sometimes of, of, of predestination in terms of the short run of, well, just our lives. The fact is God's thinking it in terms of the long run of eternity, from the very beginning to the last amen. It's all set and planned out in the heart of God. And I'm saying, even with all this, uh, Paul's saying, with all of these mysteries that I'm revealing and I'm talking to you about, still, there needs to be this prayer that God would breathe on it, that you would have understanding. Because there's a reality, there's an element to this thing, there's a mystery to God, that even what you think you know, you don't quite understand. Like we could get up here this morning and we could talk about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. And we could kind of mentally get our minds around that. But the fact is, no matter how much we understand it, it's still a mystery. That wow, God, three in one. How is that? It doesn't quite, but yet it is. And there's parts and there's portions of these scriptures that we can understand and yet they're very hard to understand. And yet... This is where we'll begin to draw the line on things that we disagree on. And for me, this is 
the opposite of what the Bible does to me. See, there's, there's lots of things uh, in the Bible that I have questions about. There, there's lots of things that I think, well, God, how does that play out? And how does that work? And how does that fit in? And so there, there, I have tons of questions. And, and I've heard tons of people give answers in which I've thought, hmm, it kind of makes sense, but no, not, not so much. And so for me... It's not the portions of Scripture in the Bible that I don't understand that really kind of hit me. It's the portions of Scripture in the Bible that I do understand that really get me. Think about that for a second. It's the stuff that you already believe. See, I believe in this thing called resurrection. That's pretty intense. The fact that Jesus would die and three days later be raised from the dead. Now that's something that we could all agree on as Christians. How crazy is that? It's pretty intense. Think about all of the things that you already say you believe. That Christ would live and dwell in you. The creator of everything that could speak a word. And yet Christ in me the hope of glory. How is that? Man, it throws me for a loop. That when Jesus says that if you want to truly live, you've got to die. Pretty intense. But yet we don't really argue about these things. See, it's, it's, it's not so much the things that we disagree about. But it's the things that we do agree about that should, should cause us to say, whoa. Because if we really believe those things that we say we believe, it would affect our lives. See, we could, we could disagree about, well, I have a different point of view about predestination. Or I have a different point of view about election or, or these different things in the Bible. Okay, but what about what we do agree on? What about when it comes to resurrection and redemption and, and life in the, in the blood of Jesus Christ? Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. But yet we let it divide us, these other things, these other issues. And so Paul starts out, he's saying, listen, there has to be an element that you would come and have this prayer for understanding. That you may, you may know all of these things that, and these things that I'm telling you, that, that your eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That there is hope in his calling. The plan that God has for you brings out hope. And what is that? That there are riches and glory and glory of his inheritance in the saints. Do you realize you are God's inheritance? That Jesus came and died on the cross for us, for me and for you. And we are his inheritance. He came for us. You are part of his promise. And he wants every one of us, every one of us, every soul, every person, every bit of his inheritance. Why? So that the lamb that was slain might receive the reward of his suffering. It's an intense thing to think about. You know, and I think about these things and I think about my faith. And I'm reminded of Jesus having this conversation with this uh, this man on the road, and, and which is his son was sick, 
He's asking Jesus, come and, come and help and heal, heal my son. And he makes this statement to Jesus that I personally love. He says this, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. See, last week we had uh, Miss Lisa Granger up here, and she talked about dealing with depression. And she talked about, well, you know, depression is one of those things that I think it was a very timely word, you know, considering everything that happened this last week and um, just the stuff that's going on in the news. But dealing with, but she made this comment of, you know, how we don't talk about that in church. And some of the things that we think, well, we have to, as Christians, as now followers of Christ, well, we've got to kind of put these things to the side and we can't talk about them. We can't talk about struggling with depressions or with, uh, well, we can't talk about unbelief because then they'll say, oh, well, you just got to have more faith and you just got to have belief. And so we keep that to ourselves and we just bury it deep inside and, and to the world, well, we have a smiley face and everything's great. And the reality is on the inside we have, well, we have doubts and we have fear and we have these things that. There's a part of us that, well, we want to share them, but we're afraid. And how we've kind of created that culture, I don't know. This kind of culture that says, well, come to Jesus and everything's going to be okay. And, you know, life is instantly going to turn good and everything's going to be sweet. And you'll get a million bucks in the bank account and your car's never going to break down. Your marriage is never going to have problems. You know, dinner's never going to get burned. I don't get it. Like, Jesus is very clear with, come to me, die. <laughs> How's that for an altar call? Who would like to die this morning? Who would like to no longer have their life be their own, but to be part of his inheritance? That you're going to have questions, you're going to have doubts, you're going to have fears. But here's the thing, Jesus never meant for you to cover them up. Jesus took these disciples along beside them and they were constantly messing up. And Jesus says, it's all right, we'll adjust and we'll fix and we'll move on. Think about it. Jesus had faith in Peter. What? Peter was constantly messing up. And yet Jesus said, listen, on this rock I'm going to build my church. I would say, well... Peter, once we fix you up and get you all right, then we're going to start it. And Jesus said, no, on this rock, we're going to build the church. He loves you. He loves me. In all of our mess ups and all of our questions and all of our non-understanding and all of our, our flaws, he wants you. He wants you. You know, there's a story of this uh, young boy and uh, he, he gets saved and he's having this conversation with um, uh, the priest or pastor or bishop, who, who, whoever it was, and they're, and they're talking and, and they say to the young man, well, well how, how is it that you know you're saved? And the young boy looks at him and says, well, I did my part and God did his part. <laughs> and so which the pastor looks at him and says, well, son, what exactly was your part? And he said, well, my part was I did the sinning. I ran as far away from God as I could and I did whatever I pleased and and that was life. And he said, well, what part was God? He said, well, God chased after me. And he hunt me down. And he got me and he brought me back home. That we were predestined through adoption. That God made a plan to bring you back. Even in all of your sin. 
even in all of your shortcomings, even in all of your pain and your hurt, God made a way. Because we serve the God who wastes nothing. All things for the good of those who believe. And this is how Paul starts this letter. Something very difficult to understand, followed by this prayer that says, well, God, please give us understanding. This is the start to Ephesians. Now, this is important because Ephesians is a church that he spent a number of years in. He has actually spent more time in Ephesians or, or in uh, in Ephesus, excuse me, in, in the, the town of Ephesus than he has any other place. He's spent three years there teaching constantly uh, these saints that are now followers of Christ, followers of the way. And so he's poured their life into them. And um, this is important because like just a few weeks ago when we talked about the books of first and second Timothy, these are really letters to a son. Timothy is, is these letters from, uh, here's dad writing a son. Listen, I want to encourage you in this as you're, as you're leading the church. Uh, Ephesus is a little different where he, this is more of, this is pastor. This is teacher. This is the guy that has spent three years training and teaching you. And I'm writing this to you guys that you may understand these things. And he talks about some really weighty things in the book of Ephesians. Uh, a matter of fact, if we were to rewind in first Corinthians, he says, listen to the Corinthian church. Listen, I want to, I want to feed you guys some meat, but I'm still giving you milk because you're not able to, to handle it. This book in, in Ephesus, he's saying, listen, you guys can handle these things. We've spent some time together. Y'all have learned y'all are growing in, this, in the wisdom and the knowledge of God. But even with all of your knowing, even all of your growing, even spending three years with what would be probably the world's greatest Bible teacher. Think about it. Three years with Paul, him, him opening up the scriptures and teaching Christ. And yet Paul saying, listen, I'm praying that God would open the eyes of your understanding. And so he's writing this letter to, to these people that, that, that they would have this in mind. And so he goes on and he gives them a few different things. And I want to read a few verses kind of at random to show you something. Uh, two, chapter two and verse six. Um, two, two and verse five, excuse me. And when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, 2 and verse 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And verse 21 in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. Um, Verse chapter 3, verse 15, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth earth is named for 17 that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and depth and height to know the love of christ which passes all knowledge all throughout the book of ephesians or really in in the first three chapters he uses these terms of together the body all the saints. And he's given them this concept of, listen, as you continue to move with God, there is the reality that we do it together. Because there is the temptation in this world to think that you can do it alone. 
You could, you could, you could read and you could go to all the studies and all these things. And all of a sudden you can create this island for yourself and think that it's, well, it's just me and Jesus and that's okay. It's not. Okay. The, the idea is that we would grow and be one body, though many members that we would do this thing together. We need each other. The deception is thinking that we can do it alone. Now, here is why this is important in the book of Ephesians. Because where Paul is writing this letter from, Paul is in prison. Paul is alone. In verse 3, 1, it says this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. In 4 and verse 1, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. See, he's in prison. He's writing this letter and he's saying, listen, even though I'm kind of cut off from you now, we're still together. We need this. Think back. Remember back whenever John, he's announcing Jesus to come in uh, to, to usher in the kingdom, that, that there's one to come. Well, all of a sudden, John ends up in prison. And it ain't long before he says, well, listen, send word to Jesus and let's say, is he the one that we're looking for or should we be looking for another? Because there's doubt begins to arise because, you know, Jesus is on the outside and all of these amazing things are happening. Uh, the blind eyes are being opened. People are being healed. All, and John's like, but I'm in prison <laughs> and I'm alone. See, if you were to go to prison now, that would be hard enough in itself. But you know what happens if you mess up in prison? Well, then they put you in isolation, prison within the prison, because they know that if we could just get you alone, if we could just get you by yourself that's going to mess with your head. You'll turn into Tom Hanks, and you'll be talking to a soccer ball named Wilson. Wilson! Okay, y'all didn't sit. That was funny right there. I should have got more laughs. See, the thing is, you think, we think that as Christians, well, we could just, we could just get alone. I'm saying no. This whole, this idea, it's been, it's that we would do it together. Jesus gave each, each, us each other as a gift to the body. Bearing with each other. 4 and verse 2 says that we would bear with each other. Here's, a, here's the thing that you should know about you. You're annoying. Here's the thing I should know about me. I'm annoying. But you know what makes friends friends? They could put up with you. They could put up with your amount of annoyingness. You know why I married my wife? Because she could put up with me the longest you find the person that can put up with you for the greatest amount of time and you marry them. <laughs> Boom. Done. The biggest thing about your friendships is you. And see, the thing is, we've got to realize that we all have our quirks. We all have our tendencies and our things. And, but I think real good friends, the reality of this thing called the body is we all have different ideas. We have things that we agree upon, disagree upon. But we just love each other. It's okay. It's okay that you're different. It's okay that you have a, a different belief over here. It's okay that, that we might not agree on this thing. Um, my buddy Keith, he's not here this morning, but man, he's, he's a really great friend to me. But whenever we get out in the water, see, there's, norm, there's land Keith, and he's awesome. But then there's water Keith. And water Keith is like, dude, you're kind of a jerk sometimes. He doesn't talk to you. If you try to talk to him, he just paddles away. And you're just kind of, huh. It's just part of it. And, and so I was kind of joking with him one time, and I was kind of telling I was like, dude, you know, Keith, Water Keith, dude, you're kind of annoying sometimes. And then so 
it wasn't too long ago, I was on the computer, and I had just zoned him out, and he was trying to talk to me, and I didn't hear what he was saying. And Keith was like, you know what? Computer Lucas is kind of annoying. <laughs> Touche. Good job, Keith. See, we all have our things, but realizing that about each other, realizing, hey, you know what? You're not like me. I'm not like you. We have a different way. It's okay. It's okay to be different. It's okay to, to dress different. It's okay to have different thoughts about things. We are created as one body, together. We are not alone. And then R. Kelly is going to start singing in a second. Anyway, in chapter 4 and 14, it says this, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried away with every wind of doctrine. See, that's what happens when you get by yourself. As all of a sudden, you start to believe some crazy stuff. All of a sudden, you start to read into life some stuff that that's not what God meant by that. We need each other to balance each other out. Bearing with, you, bearing with each other, believing in each other. Ephesians, it starts with this prayer for understanding. Right on the heels of something that's very hard to understand. Driven home by the concept of, listen, there are no lone rangers. We are one body as individuals inside the body. And then he closes with this famous portion of scripture in chapter 6, he says this. He starts to talk about this thing called the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the dark darkness of the age. Against spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the, in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, girded yourself with, the waist, with your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having sawed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. See, he gives this illustration. He gives the idea and the concept of a soldier. Something that would be very familiar to those people because there would be soldiers walking around in this type of attire every day. Saying part of your everyday life, part of your getting ready, that you would put on this as your spiritual uniform. As a follower of Christ, you've got to be prepared for this world that we're living in. Because Jesus makes it very clear that there will be those that will fight against you. There will be those that are going to come against you. You will be persecuted for the gospel's sake. And he said, listen, put on your faith. Put on this this helmet of salvation. Put on these things. Put on this righteousness. It's part of your equipping. It's it's part of of living, living this life and... And this will be very familiar to these people. To us, maybe not so much. And uh, So Tim works as a, a, at the cabinet shop. And I think if, if Paul was talking to Tim, that he'd say that your righteousness would be like the glue in your cabinets that binds them and holds them together. Put that on. May that be part of your life. May this, this reality to the gospel be part of your everyday living. But remember this. In this war that we are facing, it's not against flesh and blood. Let me put it another way. Your neighbor is not your enemy. 
The Muslim is not your enemy. That person that's persecuting you is not your enemy. Those things that are happening to you, the people that are fighting against you, there's a bigger battle going on. And we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. There's something bigger going on. The entire book of Job shows us, listen, Job, there's something happening here that you're not even privy to. And the the war that's going on, it isn't for your stuff. The devil doesn't care anything about your cars and your houses and, and your bank account and all that. He's after your soul. That you would curse God and die. There's something bigger happening. And so, so often we just want to, well, well, let's just fight against flesh and blood. Let's just go once one against the other. Let's fight Baptist versus Catholic. Let's break up in our denominations. Let's prove them that we're right. Or let's, let's fight against the Muslims because after all, you know, they don't believe in the same God. And so we have the Crusades and we kill millions of them. Lord, forgive us. That's not the intent of the gospel. Being prepared and done all things that you could do, stand. And keep standing. See, Paul gives this charge to the Ephesians and... Um, I want to close with the same charge to you guys, like Paul did to this church. May the eyes of your understanding be opened. May we learn to function and act like a body, each one of us doing our part for the whole. Because we're in this together. That we would not be sidetracked by the questions that trip us up, but we would be amazed by that which we've already have the answers for. One more time. We would not be sidetracked by those things that trip us up, but we would, li- be live, we would live in amazement at those things in which we already have the answer for. The blood of Jesus. That Christ so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for each one of these souls that walk this earth, for me and for you. And the plans and the purpose and the callings that he has and the richness of Christ, that you would partake with him in heavenly place, all the good things in Christ. All of those things in Christ. Time is short. Eternity is eternity. We are on a journey, and it's a war. It's not a war against each other. It's a war for each other. That God would get the glory. That the Lamb would receive the reward of His suffering. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, just as a church this morning, as we've come together on a more serious note, Lord, that we just need more of you. Lord, that we stand and cry and say, Lord God, help me to believe all of the things I say I believe.
Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief, God. Do what only you can do, God. Kyle could come back up here. Get ready. May we be rooted and grounded in love, Lord. ask us all to stand and uh for kyle and i know i've gone over time and i apologize um but i'm gonna ask kyle just to lead us in one more chorus of uh, amazing grace if we can and um i don't know about you guys but just something in me uh, not 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 even as a pastor but just as a fellow traveler it's just praying and asking god for something more God, what only you can do, do it in my life. May I be buddy in your hands. May I listen to your call, no matter if I don't like the path that you're setting out before me. Thank you for your grace, God. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. All who are weak, all who are weary, come to the to the fountain